0: God. I don't know where to tell you to open your Bibles to this morning because we're going to be all over. We're going from genera- uh, gen- generation That's- generation. <laughs> we're going from Genesis to Revelation and back. We're going to be starting a new series uh, called Bad Lines. And, and uh, this, the Lord put this on my heart as I was watching, as many of you I'm sure have been watching, uh, the protests that have been going on in the streets and, and different things going on. You see that there, there's always a police line that you're not supposed to cross, and you have the police here, and then you have protesters, and they get right up to that line, and it's just back and forth, back and forth. And right now, we, we see people battling against one another, and the Lord put it on my heart. He said, Son, I need you to remind my people where the true battle is, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. My problem's not with you. My problem's with the enemy, with Satan, and with his evil regime that he has set up shop on this planet. That's where the battle is. There's a war that's raging all around us. And a battle line is the line at which the fight is fought. Y'all know what I'm talking about. you got some battle lines maybe in your home, battle lines in our community. We see people drawing these all the time. The fact is that there is a war raging all around us in the unseen spiritual realm. And we see the effects of this war in our streets. We see the effects of this war on our screens. We see the effects of this war in our homes and on the media and in the government. But what's happening is there's a battle between the kingdom of heaven and the forces of evil. That's what's going on. The war is a result of the rebellion of Lucifer, also known as the devil, also known as Satan, also known as the accuser of the brethren. He was kicked out of heaven along with one third of the angels. This is what Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, says it says shining morning star that's lucifer right there that's what he was so satan was the worship leader in heaven and what happens the bible tells us it says oh shining morning star how you have fallen from heaven you destroyer of nations you have been cut down to the ground you said to yourself i will ascend to the heavens i will set up my throne above the stars of god i will sit on the mount of the god's assembly in the remotest parts of the north I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's what happened in Satan's heart. He rebelled against Almighty God, and he tried to take God's spot. There's only room on the throne for one. There's only room. All, okay, come on. There's only room on the throne for one. God didn't share his throne with nobody. He ain't going to share it with you. He wasn't going to share it with the devil. And so what happened? God said, see you Kicked him right out. And as he left, he took one-third of the angels. He led a rebellion in heaven before the creation of the earth that now is we're seeing that battle played out. And this is what Isaiah 14, 15 says. It says, Lucifer will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. You have to understand something. First and foremost, hell was not created for people. Hell was not intended for people. It was created for Satan and for the fallen angels. That's where their eventual destination is. But that's not where Satan is today. The the devil don't want to go to hell. The devil is scared to go to hell. You know where Satan is right now? He's not running around down there with a pitchfork poking all the people that are already down there. That's not what he's doing. He's on the earth. His kingdom is set up here. He has set it up along with his minions. He has set up all across the world, and he's fighting because of his proud and rebellious heart. Five times he said, I will, I will, I will, I will. See, that's what happens when you act out in pride and rebellion. You're acting more like the devil than you are Jesus. We've got to watch that. He was thrown down, cast out. And now, the thing about Satan is he's already been defeated. Amen? We know that. But he's a sore loser. (laughs) he doesn't like to lose and he doesn't want to go alone so the war that's raging between the kingdom of heaven and the forces of evil is over the souls of the human race we're fighting over souls we need to see, to see people saved and delivered almighty god is trying to save people satan's trying to steal people almighty god's trying to give life satan is trying to kill life god's trying to deliver satan is trying to destroy you remember what jesus said in john 10:10. He said that a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come so that you can have life and have it in abundance. That's the battle. That's what's happening. You've got to understand, life's not a playground. It's a battleground. Life's not a playing field. It's a battlefield. And the battle is raging on the earth and over the earth. When you go to Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, you get a glimpse of the spiritual battle. What happens is, is Daniel prays, God immediately answers the prayer, but what happens is, is his prayer gets intercepted by one of Satan's minions. This is what it says. The angel shows up in Daniel 10, 12 and says, Don't be afraid, Daniel. From from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before God, your prayers were heard, and I have come because of your prayers. Now, the time Daniel prayed to the time he actually saw the answer to his prayers, a 21-day period. You ever feel like I didn't hear you? You ever pray and you feel like the prayers are bouncing back down, like you're playing racquetball with Jesus, like you're sending them up and he's sending them back down. And you're looking at it one second and it hits you in the back of the head the next second. Hate racquetball. That's not the point of this, though. What happened was is there, you know, there was an interception there by the enemy. He says in verse 13 that the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. What happened? His prayer got intercepted. Satan saw the answer to prayer coming down, and he sent one of his minions to go stop it. That's why you can't pray until you see. That's what we talk about, breakthrough. What's it got to break through? It's got to break through the battle line in heaven. It's got to break through heaven and touch the earth. That's what we're doing. And he said, then Michael, the archangel, came after me to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. When he says the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he's not talking about a person. He's talking about a demon. He's talking about a high-ranking demon. So Satan has his legions spread out all across this planet. You ever heard that you have a guardian angel? Y'all ever heard that? Some of y'all's guardian angel is tired. You're working too hard. The guardian angel been happy about the quarantine because he can take a break because you've been sitting at home. But anyway, why do you need a guardian angel? Because Satan has his forces all over Palmyra, all over Scottsville, all over Fluvanna, and all over the United States. What are they trying to do? They're trying to further the cause of the enemy. For the believer, we face this war every day. And while the war is already won, we still fight the battle. We're still fighting the battle, even though the war is already won, and that ultimate victory will be realized when Christ returns. But we face the battle on three different battle lines. They're drawn in three places. We battle against Satan and his forces. We battle against the fallen world. And then the last enemy, and oftentimes for many of us, the worst enemy, is our flesh. We're battling against our own sinful nature that doesn't want to conform to the Word of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, draws out these battle lines. Paul says this, And you were dead. Look at your neighbor and say, You're dead. But don't spit on them, because, you know, never mind. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked, according to the ways of this world. There's line number one. According to the ruler, who exercises authority... Over the lower heavens, the spirit that is now working in those who are disobedient. That's Satan, that's battle line two. We all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children of wrath as the others were also. There's line number three our fleshly desires, our flesh. Now, I love what verse four says. I don't know if you know what it says, but it says this but God. That's what my, two of my favorite words in all Scripture. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive in Christ. That's the good news. That's the reality for us. We still have to fight that battle. And I want to look at our enemy, this morning, the accuser of the brethren. I want to try to uncover his plan and his scheme so that you can be aware and you can defeat him in your everyday life. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, talking to the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. That's pretty bad when Jesus calls you a son of the devil. It's better than calling him a son of something else, which you can't talk about in church, but you know what I mean. You are, the, you are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He, you talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. He tells a lie. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and he's the father of lies. That's the enemy. The devil can't tell the truth. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, be serious and be alert. Literally, this means, and if you wanted to translate the Greek literally, be serious, be alert. It literally says, don't be drunk. You ever seen somebody walking around drunk? Oh, man, you know. Oh yeah, having a good time, having a good time, but you don't know whether you're in the bathroom or whether you still you just you law, you drop. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, Don't act like that. Don't be uncontrolled. Don't be don't act like life's everything's a party. You gotta be alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You ever seen Animal Planet? You see the one where you're watching the, the cheetah or the lions and they're and they're going after the gazelles. What do they do they walk around in the tall grass, right? They hunt. They go and it's actually the lionesses that hunt. The men are just laying out lazy in the shade, but the, the women are out hunting. You know what I mean? We, that'd be a totally different concept for us culturally. But you know, the, the, the female lions are prowling around, and who do they go after? They go after the ones that are isolated, don't they? The ones who are crippled or weak or lame. They they pick out those ones. And that's why you have to be aware. You have to stay connected to the body. Because when you start hearing those lies, oh, well, you know, you really don't need to be attached to that, to that church. You don't need that. You, you can just have your relationship. Just you and Jesus. Just have your own relationship and forget that. What's it? The enemy's trying to pull you out so that he can attack. Because when you're here, you're going to be you're going to have to listen. The, to the truth of god's word when you get isolated and you're on your own then you can start making your own truth But when, when i'm not letting truth be defined by this book i can make truth whatever i want it to be but when i'm when i'm subjected to this i've got to be subjected to the lord he says resist the devil be firm in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world, Paul's saying, look, you're not alone in this. That's one of the things the enemy, one of his biggest lies is that you're the only one going through this. You're all alone. Nobody understands what you're going through. You're better off just to pull away. Don't bother anybody and just try to figure it out on your own. And what's he doing? He's pulling you away from the pack so that he can attack you. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. What Paul is telling us there is that Satan has a network. He set up his outposts all throughout, and that army of fallen angels that joined him in rebellion against God, they're head-hunting people. They're going after Christians, and they're trying to keep non-Christians from becoming Christians. That's what's happening. He's carrying out those plans. So how does he work, and what are his tactics? Well, his tactics haven't changed since Genesis chapter 3. He doesn't have any new plays in his playbook. He just keeps running the same ones over and over and over again. And his primary thing, what he wants to do in your life, is he wants to, to plant the seeds of deception and doubt. He's going to try to get you to doubt your you're just been sitting there doing nothing. Maybe you're just sitting on the couch, you know, binge watching The Outer Banks or whatever it is. Don't watch that it's TVMA. It's not good for you. Don't watch that. So watch something else. Watch The Office, right? That's not always good for you either. Don't watch the news. All right. So you're just sitting staring at the wall, right, in your living room, and you just have this thought. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like out of nowhere, right? You just said, like, man, I wonder, I wonder if this Christianity stuff is real. I wonder if I can really trust my Bible. That ever happened to you? Just out of nowhere. Where'd that come from? The devil's minion. He's sitting outside your house, and he, he throws back one of those fiery darts, and he goes, right right, right here. And he attacks you right here. Doubt and deception. He's trying, he, he casts doubt on God's truth. And the devil, he specializes in half-truths. Half-truths to try to pull us away from the whole truth so that we can begin then to justify ourselves in a sinful or harmful pattern of behavior. That's the problem with deception is that you think it's all right when it's not. The problem with deception is you think, okay, I can be over here. Okay, I can have this much. Okay, it's all right for me to do this and this and then still be a part of of the family of God. And and the truth of the matter is you don't even see it happening. He's got you on a chain, pulling you away. That's the dangerous thing about deception. Now, remember what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. What does he say to Eve? Eve is just minding her own business. Just walking around in the beautiful paradise, right? It was perfect, right? Everything's perfect. Just her and Adam and God. And all these thousands of fruit trees. Thousands. I mean, she had a, she had a walk through a zoo anytime she wanted. There was no strife. She could pet, she could pet a, a zebra. She could pet a, a lion, a cheetah. There was no, no killing, no death, nothing. It's just perfect. Everything is perfect, right? What is Satan The first thing he says in. Genesis chapter 3, verse 2. He says, did God really say, did God really? He casts that doubt on there. He starts questioning, getting us to question. Well, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Of course God didn't say that, right? God said "You you can eat from any tree in the garden except this one, except one. But what does Satan do? He makes her doubt the goodness of God as a whole. Well, why would God really restrict your freedom? I mean, if God really loves you, I mean, it's just you and Adam, and there's nobody, you know, some of your kids, are, the kids weren't around yet, but, you know, it's just you and Adam, and all, it's just a beautiful place. You should be able to do whatever you want. You live here. It's your garden, right? Didn't God tell you to take care of it? He cast this doubt over her, and then what does Eve say? She, re- she replies to him in verse 2 that we can eat from the trees. We can, we may eat from the fruit in the trees in the garden, but about the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden God said that you must not eat it or touch it, or you will die. Now, God never said they couldn't touch it. God just said you couldn't eat from it. So what what happens here is Eve has a fundamental problem that many of us have. She didn't know the word of God better than the devil. See, Satan knows what your Bible says. The enemy knows what it says, and he will twist it. He will turn it. He will get you believing a half truth. He will get you pulling a, a scripture out of random just so that you can say, all right, I went and had a good time. And I, oh, the Bible says, take a little wine for the stomach's sake. I'll go get falling down drunk next week. It don't work like that. It doesn't work. Oh, well, God, then God says that uh, he just wants me to love everybody. Well, I'm gonna go love her because she looks hot. That's not what he meant when he said love your brothers and sisters. That's not what he meant. Right. He's talking about brotherly love. Christian love you, what you're thinking about what God's saying is completely different. But once we get in isolation and once we start buying into that doubt, then we, we fall right into his trap. And so what does Satan do in verse four? He comes up with a flat out half truth. No, you will not die. You won't die. He, he knew that they wouldn't die physically in that moment. But but when God said you will die, you're going to be cut off from my presence. Sin and rebellion is going to cut you out. Is going to cut you away from my presence, and you're spiritually going to begin to die. But the devil says, no, you won't die. You've got your best life ahead of you. You just need to do you. You just need to do whatever makes you happy. He says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What did Satan do? He cast some doubt on the goodness of God. He, he lied to Eve, and he made her feel like God's withholding something from her. Right? You ever had your parents tell you you don't do that? What's the first thing that pops into your head? As soon as you're gone, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Why? If that's that rebellious seed that gets planted because we think that they're holding out on us. That started right here in the garden. Eve was like, okay, God's holding out on us, Adam. This one tree right here. And then as soon as she looked, the next verse says she looked and she saw that. Oh, that tree looks good. I know it's not a tree. I'm just, it's a tree. Oh, that tree looks good. Man, look at the fruit. Oh, I bet that's the most delicious fruit in this whole. Thousands of trees over here. Thousands. I mean, you got oranges and pear and peach and everything over here. And then you got this. I don't know if it was an apple, probably a pomegranate. Who knows? We don't know. But it's like, man, this thing looks good. The minute, what does he do? He brings the focus and the attention to the one thing. One tree out of twenty-four hundred trees they could eat, and he took her attention away to the one thing. It's deception. You gotta be careful. You gotta watch out. God is not gonna keep you from your best. He may try to keep you from something you think looks good in the moment, but he sees the long term, he wants only the best for your future. He wants only the best for your life, and you have to trust him. Satan uses down deception to make us think we have to work for something that we already have. Let me tell you, how could it get any better for Adam and Eve? It couldn't. They're already in paradise. It's already perfect. Everything is already perfect. They are already made in the image of God. What does Satan do? Satan will have you working overtime thinking you've got to earn something God already gave you for free. They already had it. Satan's trying to make them think they've got to work for it. Listen, you can't earn God's gifts. That's why they're called gifts. They're free. Adam should have taken that fruit, that pomegranate. He should have taken that snake by the neck and said, chuck on this. And shoved it down that snake's throat. He should have taken that snake out back and killed it. I don't know if he had a shovel, but he should have taken a rock and just i mean, sharpened that joker and chopped that snake's head off. Everything would have been fine. But hey, I'm here to tell you, if Adam and Eve wouldn't have messed up, it probably would have been me. So I ain't going to blame them. Because it probably would have been me. But he should have killed that snake. He should have done it. But Jesus, when he was obedient, Jesus undid everything the first Adam failed to do. Everything that Adam brought under the curse, Jesus brought under the blessing when he gave his life. And resisted the temptation of the enemy. How did Jesus resist the temptation? He resisted it this way. It is written. It is written. It was this book. It was the word of God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What did Satan do? Satan quoted scripture in Jesus. Satan quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus. Go back and read it. Matthew chapter 4. It's in, it's in the gospel of Mark and Luke 2. Jesus had to quote scripture back and say, He not play that game with me. Not today, Satan. You got to get that t-shirt. Not today. Because you got to shut him down. He attacks our minds with doubt. And he said, listen to me, never entertain a mental conversation that breeds doubt about God's goodness or God's faithfulness. Never entertain. When those wheels start spinning, you've got to come back with Satan. The Lord rebuke you. It is written. You've got to come right back because he makes us think we'll get away with it. He makes us think that we'll be so happy after we give in. Oh, it won't hurt anyone. You deserve this. Oh, you need this. You can't function without it. You need this drug or this substance or this material possession. You need to be accepted by this group of people or you're not really worth anything. Oh, you should, you know what? Nobody really loves you. Everyone's against you. You should just kill yourself. You were were a mistake. This world would be a better place without you. Those are lies from the pit of hell. You're, you're, you're really gay. You just need to follow this alternative lifestyle, and then you'd be happy. All oh, your real problem is is that you were born in the wrong gender. If you would switch that, then everything would change, and you would be happy. You will feel free if you just fill in the blank. Lies, 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 and more lies in the culture. You go back to every cultural narrative, you can trace it to a lie In Oh, love is love. Who's missing from that verse? What does the Bible say? God is love. You know, I think that if we would just put God back in all the places we took him out of, we'd have a different climate in this country. That's what we need. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Oh, you don't really need to be involved in church. You just do your own thing. They can't expect you to show up every week, Mike. You work hard. You work for a living. man. You just need to relax. Just stay home. You deserve it. Oh, they can't expect you to give that much, 10% of your income. Oh, come on. let make somebody else chip in. Make somebody else give. They got all, well, look at that so-and-so over there is rich. They're loaded. Let them give. And you just come whenever you can. Do what you can. Lies, lies, lies. And then what happens after you take the bait? <laughs> trap slams shut. The problem with deception is you in the trap. You don't even know it, right? You know, like if you came up, Dewey, if you came up on me one day and you, and you see I had my foot in the bear trap, right? And so Dewey runs up, man, hey, what happened? Are you okay? Are you okay? We need to call an ambulance. No, man, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Dude's gonna be like, dude, you ain't good, man. Like your foot, you're stuck. And you gonna bleed out right here if you don't get We need to get you to an ambulance. We need to get, to, ambulance to get you to the doctor. We need to fix you. No, I'm good. I'm, you know I like this thing. This thing is uh, it's, it's it's custom designed. It's very expensive. It's an outstanding trap here. I love it. I like this. It, it's resistance training. I'm deceived. Dude's gonna be like, dude, you're crazy. We need to get you out of that trap. But listen, some of y'all, you get trapped into these little webs of thought. And then somebody who loves you, somebody who knows the word, they come to you and be like, listen, you're living like this, and it doesn't add up with scripture. And you're like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, you ain't. If you was fine, we wouldn't be talking. If you was fine, you wouldn't be hiding it. If it was fine, it wouldn't be a private browser. It wouldn't be a hidden conversation. You wouldn't have related to this your parents walked in the room. It ain't fine. And it's gonna suck the life right out of you. Don't be deceived. God has not mocked every person. Reaps what they sow. We have to come to that place. Oh, the truth is relative. That's my favorite. That's the dumbest thing anybody's ever said ever. Truth is relative. There's no absolute truth. But you just said truth is relative, that's an absolute statement. What are you <laughs> talking about, man? Your own logic doesn't make any sense. All those cultural narratives tying back the lies of the enemy. We need to wake up every good and perfect gift comes down from your heavenly father. God has your best in mind. That's deception and doubt. The next way he works, he sows deception and doubt. Why? So that he can get us divided. He works in division. He works in he said, she said. He works in you're either on this side, or you're on that side. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. People are the symptom of the problem, but they are not the source of the problem. Although sometimes, they may represent the problem, they're not the problem. They could be a representative. Sometimes people are unwillingly Used by the enemy, they don't even know it. They, see, you ever say something dumb and then you walk away and you're like, man, why did I say that? Well, because you weren't—you're not self-controlled. You weren't thinking. You don't. Your filter is broken, right? And sometimes we didn't even mean any harm, and we just said it off the top of our head. And the enemy will take that and they'll see. Now you know what they think. Well, if they think it, then somebody else thinks it. Oh, this. And then it becomes from what one person said. Oh, that's what everybody thinks about you, and the devil feeds on that. And the devil feeds on them. That's why we need to be careful. What we that are influencing the spiritually blind. You know why Satan wants to divide humanity? Because unity is the breeding ground for revival. When people get unified, you see it anywhere. When people join together with one mind and with one purpose, change happens. When people come together, stuff listen change, all kinds of stuff happens. Unity has to happen. And so what the enemy does is he tries to rally us behind all these causes that aren't the cross. He tries to get us rallied on all these different causes. And we form all these different groups. Satan loves to use unity, but he gets us off balance and off center. we have to watch it, man. Listen, we've got to understand right now, God made one race, and that's the... blood we all got the same great 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 granddad one race we all got the same skin we just have different amounts of melanin in our skin and I ain't mad that my african-american brother God gave them more melanin than he gave me that's fine I'm happy the way I am and I'm happy he is the way he is why because God ain't colorblind he's colorful and I love seeing all the ethnicities and all the colors and all these different groups of people coming together and worshiping God that's how it's gonna be in heaven And I said this Wednesday night, somebody got upset, but it breaks my heart when I look at some of these protest marches, and they're more diverse than the church is. And listen, that ain't ain't comfortable to talk about, but it's the truth. It's got to start with us. The message of reconciliation belongs to the church. And we've been content to pawn it out to any other group that wants to use that term. We are called to reunite people with their creator. We need that. We need to be unified. We need to be unified. We need to learn to pray like Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. There's a stronger influence behind that person. There's a deeper hurt. They're coming from a a background or something. There's something. There's a wound that they're coming from. And we need to be bigger. We don't need to match hate with hate. If your enemy slaps you on the the one cheek, you turn to him the other cheek. Oh, no. He he turns my cheek. I'm going to turn both his cheek and give him a knee and an elbow drop and everything else. Woo! Jesus said, love your enemies. The thing is, is all these people that are arguing with each other, we're not even really enemies. Satan's just got us divided. And then he does that so that he can destroy. Understand this, Satan is out to destroy everything God created. And he actively works through deception and division for the purpose of destruction. And his number one target is the family. Look at the family structure in America. If you have two people, two kids, right? Well, pick on Allie and and her sister up here because they're just up here on the front one. They're so pretty, this one. Look at You got the same mom and the same dad. Praise God. God did a miracle in their life. Praise God. You got two sets of grandparents. Praise God. You know what? That, that, That family structure, that nucleus, is a minority in America. It's a minority. There's over 10 different types of family structures and all kinds of legislation out to redefine the family. Why is Satan after the family? Because it's the first institution that God created. Why is he after marriage? Because it's the first relationship God created. Man and woman, God made them male and female and blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Satan said, okay, target number one right there. What is divorce? Think about it. Divorce is division. That's how he works. And I'm not trying to pick it. Listen, if that's happened to you, I'm I'm sorry. I'm praying for you. But I'm just saying that that's what the enemy is after. Probably a big part of the reason why it happened was because you were under attack. Maybe you didn't even know or you didn't have anything to do with it. Your spouse was under attack and didn't know. But that's what, he attacks the family first. That's his main target. And then he attacks government. Why? Because God established order and established government in the garden. So Satan said, okay, I'll corrupt the governments. Why? Everything God instituted. Why does he attack work? Because God said, work the ground and, and work. And so Satan said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll attack work. Now I'll make people hate work. I'll make it so that nobody has to work. And we'll have this beautiful, and then, then he sells this this, this junk that, well, you can just sit at home and collect a check and the government will take care of you. Listen, that ain't, that ain't how it works. I have no doubt that the roots of communism and socialism can be dug all the way down to the pits of hell. The Bible says the one who doesn't work don't eat. Why? You're blessed. Why? So that you can be a blessing. You work so that you can glorify God out in the workplace and, grow, and bring glory to him. That's why. And I know that there are those who can't work. Well, listen, that's our job. That's the community's job. That ain't the government's job. So Satan has crossed all these things and attacked all these institutions. Why? So that he can totally destroy them. And you know what? The other thing he wants to destroy is you. Why? Because you're made in the image of God. Because you're made in the image of God. And that's why he's attacking you. I want to lay out. How do we defeat him, Pastor Dave? i go back to Ephesians 6.10. It says, be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened by God. The Lord and in his awesome strength put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the the schemes of the devil I'm only gonna talk about one I'm gonna talk about being strong in the Lord that's that's number one only point I'm gonna make right now you have you cannot attack the devil in your own strength you can't do it you shouldn't try you're not strong enough He's, he's, he's described in the book of Revelation as a dragon for a reason he is powerful he has power but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan would love to get you to think that you can take him head on. You have to learn to say, the Lord rebuke you. In Jesus' name, get behind me, Satan. Right? It would be like this. Like, you taking the devil on in your own strength. Anybody like tractor pulls? Y'all like tractor pulls? It'd be like you going into a tractor pull, and you got your, your John Deere or your Farmall or your International, whatever your favorite kind of tractor is, you picture it. You put it right there. And then you, you go up to, the, to them chains, and you hook them to your belt, you say, all right, let's go, let's pull You're going to get drove all around that pit, aren't you? You're going to get tore up because you're not strong enough. You're not strong enough. That's exactly what it's like if we say, oh, no, I can, do, I can I don't I do need any help. I can defeat them on my own. No, well, you can't. Go back to Acts chapter 19 and verses 11 through 16. There were these seven boys, and they were called the sons of Sceva, and they were trying to cast out demons. And this is what they said. They went up to this dude that was demon-possessed, and they said, In, G- in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, we cast you out. You go back and read the story, and it says that the the demon the, the demon goes, okay, now hold on. Jesus, I know. I know Jesus. Paul, I know, but who are you? And it says that the demon came on them boys and beat them so bad it had them running back home for mama, naked and crying. That's what happens. But it's not good enough for it to be your daddy's religion or your mama's religion or Pastor pastor's religion. You've got to know the Lord for yourself. you got to know the Word for yourself. You have to be able to say in Jesus' name, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It is written. And you have to know where it's at chapter and verse. Sometimes I like to mess with people, man, you know? Like, I like to test their Bible knowledge. And I'll be talking, you know, we'll be having this conversation. You know how we have these social conversations where we talk about every social problem and then we we kind of put out our opinion, which really doesn't change anything, but makes us feel better, right? Well, this is the problem. Well, this is the problem. Well, this is all we need to do. And it doesn't change a thing, right? Makes you feel better. Makes me feel better. And so I like to have these conversations. I like to say things like, well, you know, it's just like the Bible says. God helps those who help themselves. Oh, amen, Pastor. Amen, Pastor. I'm like, yeah, do you know where is that actually found? I forgot. Do you know where it is? like, oh, uh, uh I don't know. I don't know. It ain't in the Bible. It's not even in it. But we don't know that. People don't know. Right? It's just like this one. Oh, well, you know, it's just like the Bible says. Everything happens for a reason. The Bible don't say that either. It says that whatever a man sows, that will he also regain yeah, the reason might be because you've been lazy, apathetic, and you ain't been doing your job. But we don't want to say that. It sounds a whole lot better. Oh, everything happens for a Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, that's true, you do reap what you sow. Yeah, there's no such thing as karma It's called reaping and sowing. But it's not an excuse for you to be lazy and neglect your biblical duty. I mean, enough of the cookie-cutter Christianity. It's just like the Bible says, if God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. The Bible won't say that. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It says that in all things I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. It says those things. I'm just telling you guys, we've got to get back to this point. We have to get past this. Just this virtue signaling, this constant, I mean, be strong in the Lord for real. Don't just put it on your Facebook. Don't just make a comment. Don't just lay in on everything else and then say, I'm this and this and this and this. But I pray that God heals America. Man, turn your Facebook off. Until you can look at the devil and say, it is written, do me a favor. Throw your smartphone away. Turn your Instagram off. Turn your Facebook off. Because we see these things happening in our community. We see them happening to people we love. And we say, oh, it ain't none of my business. It ain't ain't none of your business. Well, your finger's about to break. You're scrolling so hard looking at all their business. It ain't none of my business. So you know what that's called? That's called being a hypocrite. Right? Listen, get on your knees and pray. Be strong. Use the weapon of prayer and praise, man. You've got to be strong in the Lord. You've got to wait upon the Lord. You've got to abide in Christ. You have to meditate on His Word. You have to learn to embrace your own weakness. What did Jesus do in the wilderness? After 40 days, He's physically exhausted. He's almost going to fall over dead, but He had spiritual strength. Why? Because He was in constant prayer. And what did the devil do? He says, Well, if you're God, why don't you just tell these stones to become bread? Problem solved. Problem. I just gave you a good solution. I'm just saying, do it. You know what Jesus said? Man doesn't live on bread. Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, boys, I got food you don't know nothing about. It. You know what it's called? Obeying the of my father. See, when you know who you are, you don't have to tell everybody about it. When you are confident in who God created you to be and who you are in Christ, you don't have to tell the world. Why? Because you're secure and strong in the Lord. This means being mature and mature. And secure in who you are and who God made you to be. But we need all this. No, you be strong in the Lord and in His awesome might. Learn to embrace your weakness because of His great mercy and His love for us. You got to be strong in the Lord. Then you got to suit up, put on the full armor of God. Talk about that next week. And you got to stand firm. You got to suit up because no nobody going to war naked, right, Drew? You got outfit, you got armor, you got guns. Right, if you did try to go into war naked, you wouldn't have nobody going to war with, because we would we would just be like, "No, sorry, man, nah. crazy naked, man. You on your own, buddy. We're going over here. You suit up. You suit up. You go into battle, and then you stand firm." Now, I'm going to close with this. You got a choice to make this morning. Just like we're all called to enlist in that spiritual battle, are you going to step up to the line and intercede? Are you going to step up to the line and, and be a prayer warrior, be a fighter, be somebody who's more concerned with the kingdom of heaven than you are with your own self? Or are you going to be a deserter? There's a lot of deserters in the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of Christians who are a wall, You're missing in action. Listen, you've got to step up. Step up to the front line and become strong in the Lord. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. I want to ask the worship team to come. Leonard Ravenhill said this, My main ambition in life is, is to be on the devil's most wanted list. I like that. I like that. I want whenever Satan calls his uh, his little minions together in Florida County, you know what, I want I want him to say, look, I don't know what we're going to do about this Antioch Baptist Church. I mean, it doesn't matter what we do. Look, we, we try to tempt them with lust, they... They just, they just uh, honor their marriage covenants and honor the Lord with their eyes. You know, we try to distract them with materialism and greed, and they keep giving. We try to we try to come at them with dissension and gossip, and, and they keep working it out. They just go to each other and talk and pray and work it out. I mean, I, what are we going to do? We can't stop this church! That's what I want the devil in this area to say. say. I hope that when you hit your knees, I hope that you say, in Jesus' name, Satan, not today in this community, in this county, and in my home. But it's got to start in your heart, and it's got to start in your home. When's the last time you, as a family, got down on your knees and said, Almighty God, we pray that you would strengthen us in your spirit today as a family? We're Christian families; we really. even And if you're single, it's easy—you just got to worry about you and the Lord. I mean, that's awesome. Advantage point to you. But well, whoever it is, that's where it's gotta start. It's gotta start in my heart, and it's gotta start in my home. I gotta say, Lord, I'm stepping up to fight. And I know that I'm not fighting against tricks, and I know that I'm not fighting against Drew, and I'm not fighting against Danielle, but then can fight with you. Julianne's like, yeah, right, you just don't know. <laughs> but, but I'm not fighting against y'all. You know what I'm fighting against? I'm fighting against your enemy because your enemy is the same as my enemy, the same Satan that's coming after you, is coming after me, and I'm going to resist him and stand against him, and I'm going to pray God's blessing on your life. Even when we don't agree, even when we don't see eye to eye, I'm going to say, brother, I love you. You're my brother in Christ, and I'm here for you if you need me. That's how we defeat him, by standing as one in his name. And I want you to bow your heads for me. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Dave, I have been AWOL. I've been deceived. I've been living a lie. I'm living a lie right now. I'm sitting here in this, in this building and I, I'm claiming to be something that I really haven't been living. And I just want you to, if that's you this morning, I want you to right where you are, you just call out to the name of the Lord. You say, Lord, revive us. Lord, forgive me. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, shine your light. When the Holy Spirit shines conviction, it's like that motion sent to light, that spotlight right on that area. Because the enemy wants to keep it hidden so that he can keep you bound, but the Holy Spirit brings it to light so that God can set you free. And you say, Lord, this area, I've been running, I've been hiding, I've been, desi- I've been deceived, but I bring it to you. I want some people here today to say, you know what? I am not going to spend more time Scrolling and trolling, than I do singing and praying. The Church of Jesus Christ has to say, you know what? His word first. I'm gonna pray more than I play. I'm gonna pray more than I, than I more than I, than I participate in everything else. And so when I do post, I'm gonna post in the name of the Lord. That's what we need to do. We need to come back to that place where we honor Him so that he can strengthen us and do a work in our lives. Let's sing this song together one more time. Let's sing.